South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Thursday, September 29, 2022. Sudanese environmental experts say climate change might bring conflict among countries depending on the Nile for irrigation. Uh, this conference aims to present views from different environmental scholars and discuss and find suitable ways to deal with climate change. And an official in the contested Abia area says several villages have been affected by floods. We have around, around eight areas affected by the floods. So many houses also affected. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some Sudanese environmental experts are warning about the potential effects of climate change on development across Africa. Professor Bakri Osman Said, the director of Sudan International University in Khartoum, says climate change is a dangerous phenomenon that could interrupt rain across the green belts and harm development in African countries depending on rain for farming. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. Speaking on the sidelines of the Climate Change and Sustainable Development Conference in Khartoum on Wednesday, Professor Bakri Osman Said, Director of Sudan International University in Khartoum, says according to climate forecast, temperatures are expected to rise to higher than average due to the emission of gases resulting from scorching coal and gas in transportation, agriculture and industrial sectors. Osman says this global change is expected to affect development in the least developed countries in Africa, including Sudan. This conference aims to present views from different environmental scholars and discuss and find suitable ways to deal with climate change so that it does not affect development. Eradication of the negative effects of climate change should contribute positively towards achieving sustainable development. Earlier this month, the World Meteorological Organization reported that droughts and devastating floods have hit African communities and their economies hard. Professor Osman says the effects of climate change could be disastrous if leaders do not take action. The effect of climate change on food production could cause many problems to African communities. It can lead to conflicts, violence and wars that would also lead to displacement, migration and disintegration of communities. This is the effect of greenhouse gas production. Speaking at the same conference, Sudanese environmental expert Naji Mansour says communities need to be educated on the effect of activities that contribute negatively towards climate change in Sudan. We in Sudan are in much need of such conferences due to the enormous climate change experiences that the country is going through. In recent years, Sudan has been experiencing a lot of natural disasters, such as torrential rains and floods. Our environment has been affected due to these changes. Majda Mustafa, a member of the Sudanese Environmental High Council, praised Sudan International University for organizing the conference and says the council will be working hand-in-hand with the university to address the environmental-related matters.
Mustafa says resolutions of this conference shall be presented to the National High Environmental Council. She says we expect the formation of committees to develop a joint social responsibility for all the Sudanese universities and the concerned authorities. The one-day conference discussed more than a dozen research papers from Sudanese and foreign researchers and scholars on the effect of climate change. In July, the head of Sudan Sovereign Council, Abdul Fattah al-Burhan, warned about the effects of the drought in the Igad region. Addressing the Igad heads of the state in Nairobi, Kenya, he said, some parts of the region have had four consecutive seasons without rain, forcing millions to move in search of food, water and pasture. If we do not handle the drought situation, it is going to be the worst we have seen in 40 years. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit. In Khartoum. Authorities in the Abye contested area say thousands of people have been displaced by floods. The acting chairperson of the Relief and Rehabilitation Commission in Abye says 25,000 individuals and hundreds of farms have been severely affected by floods. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Deng George, acting chairperson of the Relief and Rehabilitation Commission in Abia, says 25,000 individuals and hundreds of farms from the villages of Awal, Agok, Abitok, Agany Achueng, Agany Tong, and Kadian have been severely affected by the flooding. We have around, around eight areas affected by the flood. So many houses also affected. Number one, we have a wall area of Awal which is in uh, Rumamir County, plus the villages around, affected uh, individuals, 8400, that is individuals in the world, 256 households. Okay, the second is above area, uh, affected individuals, 1573, Household is uh, 358. Uh, a bottom area affected is 10,420 individuals. Joy says the IDPs are in dire humanitarian need, but humanitarian organizations suspended operations in the area due to renewed clashes between the Dinka Ngok and Twitch community of Warab State. Joy says the insecurity has hampered the delivery of humanitarian assistance to the most needy. There is uh, some NGOs that are trying to respond, but uh, according to the, you know, there is a uh, war happened uh, last week. Now I think they stop so what they want to, to do, because there is a place called Maibuang. They review and inside there, and, they, and we plan with uh, agencies to, to remove those items by the plane to, to my bank inside, but uh, because of the war which is took place last week, uh, this thing now we finish until next week or until further notice. Chola Gwok, a resident of Abiyay's Alal County, says people have been confined to small areas where the ground is higher, causing crowded conditions, resulting in a surge in a number of waterborne diseases. There's a small high ground in Awolnum. That is the place many people are seeking shelter now. About five families share one house. Now there is a, a congestion and disease like malaria and diarrhea have emerged.
This is dangerous for children because people debacate in the same place. The United Nations Interim Security Force for Abia or UNISPA says it is disturbed by the renewed attacks in Abia. UNISPA spokesperson Daniel Adekera says the Abia force has increased its patrols and is engaging both the administration and traditional leaders to convince young people to exercise restraint while a political solution is pursued. The mission has activated its protection of civilian and is working together with OCHA to provide basic humanitarian assistance to the displaced. Um, mission leadership uh, would want to advise uh, that violence of any kind cannot solve the problem, uh, rather it can only increase tension in the area. A unified would encourage the youth to listen to their political leaders and um, uh, who are in the process of finding a political solution to whatever grievances they may have. Adakera says UNISPA is fully committed to pursuing its mandate to ensure that the area is free of arms and that armed groups. ABA straddles Sudan and South Sudan's borders, fighting rafted in the area in 2011. Khartoum and Juba agreed to allow a neutral peacekeeping mission to foster security in the area until a political solution was reached. UNISFA was established through United Nations Security Council Resolution 1990 of June 27, 2011. And uh, the 1990 resolution, more than 5,000 Ethiopian troops were deployed to provide security and protect civilians under imminent threat of violence in the disputed border region. UNISPA monitors the border area between the north and the south and is authorized to use force in protecting civilians and humanitarian workers. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor. The spokesperson for the government of South Sudan says the UN mission in South Sudan should be held accountable for alleged sexual abuses in a camp in Malakal. Some international organizations implicated in recent investigative report released by the humanitarian and Al Jazeera about sexual cases in the protection of civilian sites in Malakal say they regret the allegations against some of their staff. For VOA News, Deng Gaideng reports from Bor. South Sudan's information minister and government spokesperson Michael McQuay says the UN should be held responsible for any offenses committed at the protection of civilian sites. McQuay says the government is not able to carry out any investigations at the POCs because the UN mission in South Sudan does not grant access. Unimis and they have decided to bar out any government official from entering the POC. So they are the ones who are managing it and they are the ones doing everything and if there are any offenses being committed in, then they should be the ones to answer. They, they should be the ones to be accused. We have seen even in some of the POCs they are, uh, they, there is a new generation coming up with different colored new generation coming up in the, in the POCs. But what uh, we are not, uh, these people are not under us and as such. We cannot, uh, we cannot ask them. 
the new humanitarian and Al Jazeera released a report detailing sexual abuses that have continued for years in the UN Protection of Civilians or POC site in Malakal, where thousands of internally displaced persons first sought refuge in 2013. Aid workers with International Organization for Migration, Doctors Without Borders, or Medicine Sons Frontiers, the World Food Program, and World Vision were among their late perpetrators. The allegations in the report include rape and sexual abuse of minors. In some cases, women and girls were pressured to have sex for gifts. The report says allegations of sexual abuse committed by aid workers first emerged in 2015 and that the scale of abuse has since grown despite a UN-led task force charged with tackling the problem. Rebecca Nyanger, an internally displaced person living at the Protection of Civilians or POC site in Malakal, says UN agencies and other NGOs are supposed to be helping them and not sexually exploiting beneficiaries of their services. She says the report on sexual abuse is scared her. Those who came running away from the violence and have no place to stay came here to seek help from the NGOs. People who have children like us are very vulnerable and we have been receiving shelter materials like camps and food. But if there are reports that some NGO staff have been taking small girls or women, then that is what scares us. Gemma Snowden is the head of communication for the World Food Program in South Sudan. She says WFP supports the rights and dignity of any victims of sexual exploitation and abuse and that there is no place for sexual exploitation and abuse at the WFP. WFP treats any allegation with the utmost seriousness. When an allegation is received, it's acted upon swiftly, including immediate support and protection to the victim as warranted, and each allegation is thoroughly reviewed. Snowden says in 2017, humanitarian organizations in South Sudan through the protection from sexual exploitation and abuse task force have taken considerable action to prevent sexual exploitation and abuse. We do recognize that there's always room for improvement and we're steadfast in employing every effort to end sexual exploitation and abuse while empowering and equipping victims to be supported, to be safe and to be heard. The French medical charity Doctors Without Borders, known as Medicines Sans Frontiers, released a statement saying it has been working to address abuse, exploitation and harassment of women and girls for many years. MSF says it cannot deny the role that media have played to focus public attention in driving greater and faster change within the organization and potentially in encouraging people to come forward. MSF says it will continue to hold itself publicly accountable for the progress the organization makes in addressing the issues. The International Organization for Migration or IOM was also implicated in the report. IOM said in a statement it took measures to investigate the allegations. Peter van der Uwarad is the IOM South Sudan chief of mission. 
the Office of the Investigator General uh, of IOM investigated two cases where a complainant alleged to have been impregnated by an IOM staff member. We don't have uh, the certainty based on the scarcity of the information provided uh, by the new humanitarian whether these are the same complainants mentioned in the article. Aluang Mading, another IDP at the Malakal POC site, says the management of UN agencies and NGOs implicated in the report should take action to prevent further abuses. This uh, has been very alarming and annoying even at the same time because uh, when NGOs uh, who are the very people who can be handling this because some NGOs they are, they are dealing with this sexual gender-based violence, GVB, carrying out uh, some NGOs are responsible for this. But if it appears that they are taking advantage of uh, of uh, their work and this is really condemned and uh, uh, it is not acceptable. Addressing a media conference in Juba yesterday, the head of United Nations Mission in South Sudan, Nicholas Aysom, said the allegations contained in a report by the new humanitarian and Al Jazeera will be thoroughly investigated, adding that even though the article does not implicate UN staff directly, the UN takes no comfort. South Sudan Relief and Rehabilitation Commission is the body that monitors both local and international organizations operating in South Sudan. This program made several calls to Manasseh Lomele, chairperson of the South Sudan Relief and Rehabilitation Commission, for comments on this allegation, but it did not answer. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has asked for an urgent report detailing the actions taken by the UN team to address sexual exploitation and abuse across the UN's operations in South Sudan and ensure accountability. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Ugandan President Yori Museveni says he will not lock down the country because of Ebola. Find out why after the break. is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Uganda's President Yori Museveni has assured the country that an Ebola outbreak is under control and that no restrictions of movement are needed. The country's health officials confirmed cases of deadly Sudan Ebola virus with 24 reported deaths. Uganda's Medical Association says some of its members are critically ill and has threatened to join a strike by medical interns over what they say is inadequate personal protective equipment. Halima Athomani reports for VOA from Kampala. 
In an address to the nation Wednesday night, President Yoram Seveni urged Ugandans to avoid coming in contact with body fluids such as blood, feces and vomit from infected people. Even though the source for the Sudan Ebola virus, a strain for which the World Health Organization says cross-protection of vaccine for other Ebola strains has not been established, Museveni warned Ugandans against eating meat from monkeys, chimpanzees and gorillas. I want to reassure Ugandans and all residents that the government has got capacity to control this outbreak as we have done before. Therefore, there is no need for anxiety, panic, restriction of movement or unnecessary closure of public places like schools, markets, places of worship, etc. as of now. The 31 Ebola cases confirmed so far include six healthcare workers, including four doctors, one anesthesiologist, and one medical student who was exposed to the first case in the district of Mwende. Museveni, who cautioned Ugandans against shaking hands, also says Uganda is still discussing a vaccine for the Sudan Ebola virus that was first reported on August 6th. Uganda only has a stock of the Zaire Ebola virus that was reported in the neighboring Democratic Republic of Congo. There is currently no approved vaccine for the Sudan Ebola virus. Therefore, one of the issues we were debating the other day was... Why not use the vaccine of Ebola Zaire, even though it's not specific for Ebola Sudan, but it is Ebola. They share some of the characteristics. Uh, and, and it is safe. And uh, we have used it on our soldiers. So... Is there any harm in, in, in trying it? The government has now set up an Ebola treatment unit with a 51-bed capacity for confirmed cases and 80 beds for suspected cases. To shorten the turnaround time of sampling, processing and improving patient care, two mobile diagnostic laboratories will be deployed in the Mwende district by Friday. Health Minister Dr. Jen Rutha Cheng also allayed fears among health workers, especially those infected with the virus. We want to appreciate the work that they are doing, but also reassure them that they will be taken care of and given the necessary supportive care and treatment so that we ensure that we don't lose them. President of the Uganda Medical Association, Dr. Sam Oledo, however, describes a different situation in the affected districts for health workers. When we start losing health workers, I don't think it can be under control. It's painful that this morning, two of our health workers, the intern and the SHO, are on oxygen and they're not doing well. What we're trying to mobilize right now is ICU management. And uh, we, we cannot afford to have a corpse of a, a medic at such a time. And I assure you, if, if the worst happens, we shall withdraw services in Mwende. The Sudan Ebola virus is less common than the Zaire Ebola virus and has no current effective vaccine. Sudan Ebola virus was first reported in southern Sudan in 1976. Although several outbreaks have been reported since then in both Uganda and Sudan, the deadliest outbreak in Uganda was in 2000, claiming over 200 lives. Uganda's last Ebola outbreak in 2019 was confirmed to be the Zaire Ebola virus. It last reported a Sudan Ebola virus outbreak in 2012. Halima Athmani for VA News, Kampala, Uganda. 
Still in Kampala, six Ugandan medics are receiving treatment and are in isolation after they contracted Ebola. They were exposed to the deadly disease at a referral hospital in Mabende district, which is the epicenter of the current outbreak. For VOA News, Catherine Nambi reports from Kampala. Blood samples from the medics were drawn after they performed surgery on a patient who had died during the operation, but later tested positive. Among the infected medics are senior house officers or SHOs. Dr. Samuel Oledo is the president of Uganda Medical Association. There are three SHOs who worked on that patient. Uh, there was an intern who was assisting. There was an anesthetist who was also giving anesthesia. And basically, that whole team was looking at a condition of obstruction. The patient was having septic shock. BPs were shutting down. He went into cardiac arrest. And they tried to resuscitate him on table. We lost the patient on table. So, suspiciously, samples were picked from that patient. Dr. Oledo blames inadequate personal protective equipment, or PPE, for the exposure of the medics to the hemorrhagic fever. He says some of the infected medics are in critical condition, while others are undergoing clinical care and emotional support at a specialized facility. Two of them are in critically ill. One of them has actually developed bloody diarrhea. The other three are in self-isolation. The infections come just a few days after interns went on strike, fearing for their safety amidst the outbreak. Dr. Oledo has advised medics to be extra cautious and to desist from treating or caring for patients without safety gear. And the personal protective gear should be fully braced from head to toe. Please, you have a mandate. You have a right to stay home if you're being coerced to work on patients without personal protective gears. Emmanuel Ainebiona is a spokesperson for the Ministry of Health. He says medics have also been trained on proper management of Ebola patients and suspected cases without exposing themselves to the disease. We are ensuring that we counsel them such that they are able to uh, respond because all the protective gear to safeguard their life is available. We have already put our, our health workers on high alert. They have been trained about the having high levels of suspicion on any persons who might present with the Ebola-like symptoms and also take them through on infection prevention and control among health workers and also ensuring that when patients report are well isolated. Jen Ruth Acheng is the Minister of Health. She says the infected medics will receive the necessary support to recuperate. To allay anxiety of our health workers because some health workers are infected, we want to reassure them that they will be taken care of and given the necessary supportive care and treatment so that we ensure that we don't lose them. But also to continue to encourage them that we can control this epidemic and save Ugandans. The World Health Organization says the risk to public health is especially high since the Sudan strain has no vaccine. According to the WHO, the disease may have been reported late, suggesting it could have started three weeks before the first case was identified on 20th of this month. 
This is Catherine Nambi for VOA News in Kampala. From Kampala, we move back to Washington, where President Joe Biden formally announced the U.S. will maintain its cap on refugee admissions at 125,000 for the year 2023 fiscal year. Immigration advocate had hoped the president would increase the number to much higher demand after falling short of an ambitious target for fiscal year 2022. The White House allocates admission geographically, setting 40,000 spots for Africa, 35 for Near East South Asia, 15,000 for East Asia, 15,000 for Europe and Central Asia, and 15,000 for Latin America. 5,000 spots are listed as unallocated and held in reserve. According to the latest count in August, fewer than 20,000 refugees have been admitted so far this year. That's all we prepare for you this Thursday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. For world news, go to voanews.com. If you miss this broadcast, go to voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Salam Ya Sudan by Lomerica Jazz Band. I'm your host, John Tanzan, Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.